You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. Hi, everybody. It is, hey, everybody, Rick Bassman here live from Maui. It was a beautiful, beautiful spring day here. Uh, I won't give you the weather report because I know that makes people all over the world kind of jealous. I'm hoping where you are, it's a beautiful day as well. Uh, I know that it is where our amazing guest, Amanda Kelly, is today, live from uh, live from Tulum, which I'm almost jealous about. Uh, I'm gonna do something to start this I haven't done before. Amanda put a post up today that really resonated in, in so many different ways. And I was vibing with it so hard that I want to read it to bring her on. Uh, I could never write for her the introduction that she just wrote. I think it's a great introduction. Enough said. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to put on my glasses, which I found out I don't really need. My eyesight's a lot better than I suspected. Um, I've talked about this before, how our minds limit uh, our, our physical being and, uh, and our experience. And I think it's another great example that um, maybe things are better than we oftentimes think they are. Anyway, here we go. Let me read. This is a post that Amanda Kelly put up earlier today. She writes, over the past five years since my cancer diagnosis, life has been getting better and better. I've been feeling better and better. In fact, I can with confidence say that I now feel better than I can ever remember on every level. In every way, I know that everything is always working out for me. The better it gets, the better it gets. The past couple of days, I've noticed a huge shift in the energy in my own as well as a collective, and I've heard many others noting it as well. Agreed. I totally agree with that, by the way, and I know we'll talk about that. And she writes, are you feeling it? The shift in energy, the sense of hope, the ticking, sorry, tickling sense of expansion. Spring is officially here, and with it, a sense of hope rebirth, resurrection. We are ready to rise from the ashes and live again. Like a snake shedding its skin, we are ready to peel off that outer layer and emerge as a fuller, more expansive version of ourselves, richer, upgraded. This is how life has been for me, incrementally, bit by bit, step by step, layer by layer, slowly but surely moving up the spiral. And quick editorial note, I hope you're all taking this in. This, Like I said, I vibe really hard with this. This is exactly how I've been feeling for the past year, but so articulately put, but certainly better than I could do that. It just, it brings to the written word what, what I've been feeling. And I hope many of you are as well and, and are looking at, looking at it as a possibility for yourselves if you're not there quite yet uh, to continue with what Amanda wrote. There have been many times it didn't seem like I was making any progress, but I kept trusting, getting back up, showing up for myself and moving forward. Great advice, by the way, Amanda, thank you. And then she writes, well, she talks about the podcast tonight. Uh, and then she wraps up by saying, and we didn't even plan that it's not exactly the fifth anniversary of my diagnosis. I only just realized it yesterday. I love the universe's little synchronicities. Agreed. Um, with that, without any further introduction, I want to believe, uh, I want to, I want to bring on a lady I very much believe in and, uh, that, that lives, in my experience at least, in the time I've been starting to get to know her, exactly what she just wrote. Uh, my pleasure and honor to bring on Amanda Kelly. 
Hey, Rick, how are you? There she is. <laughs> hey, yeah. yeah, thank you so much for that introduction. Thanks for reading all that out. <laughs> oh, hey, thank you. I know it's kind of odd. I know we'll see how that gets over. I'll look at it later and go, was that a good idea or not? But for the, for the sake of the show, for the sake of life and, and the message it gets across, I think it, it's beautiful. I said I was jealous of Tulum. Now I'm kind of jealous of your writing ability also. But oh, well. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, I guess it's something I've been honing, but. <laughs> oh, you're, uh, you're on the right path, my friend, that's for sure. So I, I have to ask you, here comes a really kind of hard, challenging question right out of the gate. Yeah. Do you truly believe everything that you wrote there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on, it's been a journey getting here. Honestly, I... Five years ago, for example, I thought I knew what I wanted with my life. And then I thought I was you know, in a good spot. I thought I kind of had my stuff together. And then it just all came crashing down around me. And it really kind of woke me up to the fact that I was living a little bit of a lie or maybe a lot of it. <laughs> I, you know, at face value, my life didn't look awful, but I was really quite unhappy, but it really took a lot for me to admit that to myself because I was a perfectionist. I wasn't supposed to fail, but like me forcing myself to live a life that wasn't actually aligned for me was its own version of failure. It was like kind of an inevitable like self implosion that was on its way. So I went through my, what I call quarter life crisis cause I was far too young for a midlife crisis. <laughs> and I was like, well, if I was 30 at the time that puts me at 120. <laughs> so I'm good with those numbers. <laughs> anyway, so I, I honestly, like. I immediately saw it as a wake up call, a kick in the butt, because I knew I wasn't living out my purpose. I wasn't feeling fulfilled, but I didn't really ha like know how to get where I wanted to go. And I ne didn't necessarily believe I could make my vision possible. I didn't really believe in myself, honestly. So I didn't have the mindset to do what I'm doing now to live the life that I'm living now, I would just hold back. And so it has been a long process, a long journey getting here. Ask anyone who's known me over the last five years. I have not been in this spot for a good portion of that. It's been a very, very rocky road roller coaster of a journey for sure. Um, you know, moments where I was like crying on my floor about to give up like I don't know what I'm doing wrong like and like maybe it's just not meant to be and all of that yeah <laughs> so it's hard because you know I did have the physical layers of of recovery I had the mental emotional financial uh, recovery to confront I had many many aspects um, and then of course there were so many things in my life that weren't working pre-diagnosis that I really had to go back and dig deep and kind of grapple with. And it's really uncomfortable looking at all this stuff. So 
I just put myself through the fire over and over and it wasn't easy, but I'm really glad I did because I'm here now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's really something. It, it, thank you for that. Wow. I want to comment on the question I asked you. Do you believe in what you wrote? I, I, I knew, I don't know you well yet and getting to know you, but I already knew the answer to that question, but I, I just, I wanted to see how, first of all, how you'd react to it. So sorry for holding your feet over the fire. Um, but I knew that whatever the answer was that, that people would vibe with it, just like I was listening to you. Um, I, I know you live what you put out there. You can see it. You're, you're extremely genuine and, and real. And, and I, you know, you're, you're not an actor, put it that way, because we know people that do that, you know, social media creates a lot of facades that aren't always exactly accurate or real to life. And uh, I just, like, like I said, I was resonating, or your post resonated with me, what you do vibes. Um, I love watching you because you can always feel how real and how genuine it is. And it's just a great example for life. It's really cool. So I wanted to comment on that for sure. And I, I want to now ask you this. So, um, so my math is pretty good. Obviously you're 35 now, right? Got that. Um, so you're 35. You finally figured out what you want to be when you grow up. <laughs> right? Basically. I mean, more or less. <laughs> yeah. So if somebody asks you, you know, you know, the old term elevator pitch, right? So you get, do you know that term is kind of a Hollywood LA term? You, uh, yeah, yeah, you have yeah. an elevator with a movie studio boss and you got 30 seconds to tell them what your movie concept is, basically the elevator mm -hmm. pitch. How do you explain to somebody like in a, in, in a very like short, succinct way who you are and what it is you do? Mm. That's a great question because it's evolved and transformed a lot. But essentially, I I like to say that I guide people back to their truth and I empower them to reclaim their own power and to take responsibility for their health, their well-being, their abundance, and to really truly step in to who they're meant to be, their purpose, their power, and to walk through the fire with them, to go through that transformation so that they become who they're meant to be. So in a nutshell. That's, that is amazing. I, I belong, I'm a member of your website now. I signed up. Um, you know, I, I look at all, and uh, Rachel just put it up on the screen for us. Thank you. This art called life.com. So people out there listening to this, if they're interested in, in diving into it more and engaging with, do you engage with people one-to-one -one while you do this? Or is uh, it more, yeah. more of a, you do? All right. So I am... How, Practically speaking, I'm a certified coach. Um, I'm also in the process of creating a group container. So honestly, my website is not fully, I actually merged a website with my blog. So what is up there is accurate. That is all me. It's just not the full shebang right now. So the, the front page is kind of a work in progress that actually outlines a lot of my programs. So if anybody has any questions, they can uh, email me, amanda at thisartcalledlife.com, and we can set up a time uh, to, to actually discuss in detail whatever it is that they're interested in. But yeah, I am a coach. I work one-on-one. -on -one. I work, I'm creating this group format, like I said. I'm also in the process of 
creating an ebook slash mini course called Eat to Thrive because I'm finding that a lot of people have asked me what I ate during cancer and what I ate, um, you know, after. And to be fair, I have created many resources here and there over the past several years. I shifted away from focusing on gut health and food and all of that. Um, I have a cleanse guide out there that's part of my freebie, um, or it should be anyway. <laughs> um, and so all of this is there. I'm just kind of pulling it together into an ebook form. So that's going to be ready really shortly. I was working on that today, actually. And I do have a course called Rise with Resilience. So there's a couple tiers of um, offerings that I have available for people. And of course, my freebie. So <laughs> there is a landing page on my website. It's the Infinite Possibilities Mind Body Soul Reset for Abundance, Vitality, and Success. It is a mouthful, but. <laughs> Right? Yeah. It is. But will you say it again? I want to take that all in. So it's the infinite possibilities, mind, body, soul reset for abundance, vitality, and success. Who truly, who wouldn't want that, right? Seriously. Yeah. Um, I, I know very few people that would not benefit from that and buy that, certainly. Yeah. Um, if, if there are people watching right now that are going to say, wow, that sounds really cool. I could use that or I need that. But you know, maybe they're a little hesitant, intimidated, whatever the, the case may be. What would be a good way like to ease into you know what you do and what you offer? Would it be through one of your social media platforms, you know, to begin to get acquainted with you? What would be a good place to start? Sure. Um, so I am pretty active on Instagram. So I have two accounts technically at this art called life, just like my website. Uh, there's no underscores or anything. So it's just this art called life <laughs> makes it easy. Yep. And my personal is actually the one that you read off of today. I that's what I posted from. It's at AK Amanda K. It's just my initials, my first name and my last initial. I've just shared a lot of my personal journey on that account. So I do like to share that one as well, just because there is a lot of crossover between the two. But that one really has, if you scroll back, that really has all of my journey there. So I, I do kind of like to share that one in this context anyway, in particular, because they're both public and active on both. Um, so, yeah. And I, I've read it. it's beautifully written. It's really evocative. It really is. I feel like I know your story well, and uh, I try not to over prepare, but I, I do know a lot about you. So I think we'll have some fun stuff to get into. Uh, I, I do the same. I call my thing, my cancer story. That's a little out there and a little heavy maybe, but it, it's cathartic, I think for ourselves. To be able to get that out there and it's beautiful when you when you realize you're actually giving something to people that need it at a certain time when they read it um i i love that feeling do you do you i don't want to say this the wrong way it's not about you personally it's a general statement but it's said that people that give you know or, or charitable to, to use one word get as much out of giving as they do of the people on the other side that are receiving do, do you find that doing what you do feeds you and inspires you? Absolutely. It's just the little comments I get from people here and there, even 
people who are not engaged with me in a formal way, just, oh my gosh, reading that helps so much. Or yeah, just all of those, those comments over the years, especially at the beginning of my journey, honestly, that's what encouraged me to keep moving down this path. I started writing a blog just to keep people informed and also as an outlet for myself. It served a dual purpose, but it was honestly, a lot of the motivation was just practical. I was finding that I was replying to messages over and over saying the same thing. How are you? What's the latest? Da, 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 da. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure most people in, in the situation can relate. Um, so I actually just started the blog to keep people updated on all the details. But I've always been a bit of a detail-oriented person. Even when I did a summer reading program at the library growing up, I, as a five-year-old girl, I would practically recite the entire book back to the librarian when they asked us what happened in the book and I would just share every little detail so anyway but for me it was a creative outlet as well as a way to help people and it was just my nature to be detail oriented and informative and people were coming back to me with feedback oh you're an amazing writer which I I didn't really believe, but a lot of people have told me that now, so I'm very grateful. And <laughs> I, I could not, I could back that statement. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and and then beyond that, but that it, it's really helped them for various reasons. Somebody reached out saying that his father had gone through it, but hadn't really shared too much. So hearing my perspective <clears throat> really helped him to understand what his father had gone through, and. You know, just so there were like many different, and then of course, cancer survivors who were going through it, they were finding value, whether they had the same form that I did or not. So yeah, I just, I was motivated by that to keep going, to keep sharing different aspects of my journey because people were coming back with positive feedback saying it was actually legitimately helpful. And um, yeah, so, and I, I'm a researcher. So that's one of my superpowers. So I feel compelled to actually share a lot of the knowledge that I have gained over the years trying to heal myself and to share that because not everybody has the same capacities. I actually went to grad school so I can suss out, uh, you know, what's good and what's bad research and knowledge. And my intuition is pretty strong as well. So um, I kind of know. <laughs> but I just have continued on this path for those reasons, more or less. Yeah, and you've really evolved, hasn't it, to everything that this art called Life Hat is and, and has become. And, you know, I think back. So today is your fifth anniversary diagnosis. And I'm sure the day you're diagnosed, you couldn't imagine five years in the future and, and where you are today. As you mentioned, life had to be entirely different at that time. And Oh, this is a two-part question. The first one is... The day you were diagnosed, and I'm asking this for a very specific reason. There are a lot of people who are going to see this that are in a really bad spot right now. Uh, they're maybe newly diagnosed. Maybe they're in the thick of it. Maybe they're survivors, but so beaten up. They don't think there's life after survival. And, you know, we, we come across people of those types very often. And they need inspiration. They, they, they need hope. 
So I like to tell, when I tell my story, you know, I love where I am today. I feel great. Um, you know, 20 years behind your curve and where, you know, at the time when you got there, um, it took me longer to get there. But I know how you feel now because you, you articulate exactly how I feel. When I was sick, I like to write about that because I, you know, I went through hell and a lot, a lot of it's self-induced, of course, a lot of the circumstances associated with it. It was the worst of the worst. And I don't hide that. And I do that to try to give people out there that are going through it the sense that it can be that bad and then get that good. So that's a long lead up to a short question. I'm sorry. <laughs> question is this. The day you were diagnosed, the day after you were diagnosed, the week after, do you remember the frame of mind you were in? What did it feel like? Yeah, so it was it was a whole progression. Um, so the day I found out I had a growth in my chest was a couple weeks prior to that formal diagnosis day. I knew there was a tiny chance it wasn't cancer, but from that point on, I operated as if it was. So I prepared myself mentally, but it still didn't fully prepare me emotionally. I mean, there it was inevitable I was going to break down a little bit. <laughs> when I got the call, I was actually at work and I had to take the call in the bathroom. The head of the uh, hematology department called and gave me the initial lymphoma diagnosis and that it was non-Hodgkin's, but they were, they were still determining the subtype based on the biopsy, but it was officially lymphoma. So it was officially cancer. And I tried to hold it together, but I couldn't. And so I had to, I had to leave and yeah, it was, it was really challenging. Um, and of course, I was devastated. <laughs> of course, I was really, really upset, even though deep down I'd been prepared for that answer. And I knew I wasn't going to die. I just had that intuition. I knew it would all be okay. It was still obviously terrifying and just really not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> so my mindset was all over the place. And I, so throughout those weeks, I kept myself really, really focused on the goal, which was survival. So I kind of operated, I don't want to say like a machine, but I was just so goal oriented, so focused. I gave myself project heal to accomplish and to accomplish with like golden stars <laughs> an explosion of golden stars and, and this happened this came pretty quickly after the diagnosis that you started to do this uh pre-diagnosis even pre -diagnosis. i from the the moment i got the initial ct scan results which said that i had a growth the size of a grapefruit inside my chest that was compressing my heart and my lungs um it i and it the initial diagnosis included a benign growth and lymphoma so i operated on the assumption that it was lymphoma that it was a form of cancer and i started researching 
what can I do between now and whenever? Because I know the diagnostic process is long. I had a week, even that one week between the CT scan and the PET scan terrified me. So I don't want to say terrified me, but it kind of gave me a little kick in the butt. I was like, well, I don't want to wait. I want to do anything I can right now. What can I do right now? Right now happened to be all the way out in Oklahoma for my uncle's funeral who had he had just died from cancer um the night before i got the ct scan he actually i i don't know how else to say it he <laughs> the word that was coming to mind and it sounded so not right but he inspired me <laughs> to call my yep. doctor um i woke up that night with really sharp shooting shoulder pain i think i mentioned this in our last discussion um just briefly i'd woken up with that sharp shooting shoulder pain and i woke up the next morning knowing that i really had to get on top of whatever that was so we got the results on the way to his funeral and uh at that point in oklahoma i just started they were eating fried food and everything and i was like green juice. <laughs> I looked it up in Google Maps and it was just, I kind of went with my intuition. I was like, I feel like I should be as healthy as possible. Now, mind you, I was already a healthy, active, healthy, I not say that in quotations, but vegetarian yogi. I could do a handstand and touch my toes to my head at the same time at the time. I've I was seen happy. the photos, I know. <laughs> yeah. So I was super fit but there were gaps in my knowledge. You don't know what you don't know, right? And because I had been so healthy, I had literally barely ever been to the doctor in my life, never had broken a bone, never gotten stitches, nothing. And I'd never had a serious health condition. So this really in, in many ways came out of the blue. Literally people in my family and people in my social circles were like, how did this happen? You're the healthiest person I know. All that said, health is far more than a fit body. <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was really the mindset, the emotions. And I was a vegetarian, but there were probably some gaps in my diet. And there were probably things that I was eating, maybe too much sugar. I had a massive sweet tooth. And I don't blame it all on the sugar at all. I believe it's a perfect storm. Um, but I really do believe the emotional and uh, mental factors play a massive role. But also the family history of cancer. I had seven family members who had passed away. And it, none of them were genetically or related. So now we're getting into the epigenetic layers. So I had all the motivation in the world to just get on top of it, get ahead of it as as in whatever capacity I could. So I started researching nutrition for cancer, which I know a lot of people are not really attuned to um, because on oncologists don't really talk about this very much, to be fair. It depends on your oncologist. And over the last five years, I suppose there's possibly been some shifts but not as many as I would like to see. And I remember in the hospital, they would offer us, like the volunteers would come around with milkshakes and pizza, and I would just uh -huh. look at them. <laughs> I gave them the third degree, <laughs> poor volunteers. But um, <laughs> well, anyway. When I, when I could eat at all during my treatment, at all, it was Jelly Bellies and McDonald's. So oh, yeah, yeah. I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> yeah, so I was the one bringing all of my own food to the hospital. By the time I actually started treatment, I'd 
already been. So what I did was I put myself on a raw vegan diet. I cut all sugar. I aside from natural fruit sugars and carrot sugars because I was drinking a lot of carrot juice because I read that one guy cured his cancer with carrot juice. So I was literally like, well, I feel like that won't hurt me. So I'm just going to try that. <laughs> so I got a juicer. I started carrot juicing like a tremendous amount every day. And I went to an energy healer there, a holistic person there. And I was really not that deep in holistic spirituality, any of it. I really wasn't, but I was just guided by little tidbits people would give me and my intuition. And I just was like open to any and all things that could possibly help me in that moment. Uh, so I, for about five weeks, I cleansed because there's, there's a whole process of going uh, for your first scan and then all the other things that happen before you actually start treatment. So I had a chunk of time where I cleansed out my system and I did go see an energy guy who said my vitamin D levels were super low and I, um, I started supplementing with vitamin D and soaking up actual sun without sunblock because the sunblock unfortunately also blocks the vitamin D and also happens to have a lot of chemicals. So I don't really use, uh, I, I use natural sunblock if any at this point in time, but I would lie out in the sun. Sunbathing was my job <laughs> as much as I could. And I, but it, my job was project heal. I just like put every ounce of energy outside of my other responsibilities toward this. I started researching everything. I And I looked up the benefits of carrot juice. And it turns out the beta carotene in carrot, carrot juice actually, well, in carrots, up levels the activity of the, the liver enzymes. So it actually really is highly beneficial for liver. And why that's important is because when we're going into cancer treatment, we have so many things being pumped into our body, radiation, chemotherapy, all the other drugs we take for the side effects, so on and so forth, not to mention the dead cancer cells. Our liver has a massive job to do. If we're piling really difficult to digest food on top of all of that other stuff, it's just making the job even harder. So without consciously knowing it, I just like was self-guided, intuitively guided throughout this whole thing. I cleansed my system prior to treatment. And it turns out that was the perfect thing to do. Because there's actually studies that show that if you fast before treatment, and we're talking a one day fast or the fast the day of treatment for people who go in for a 45 minute or a few hour treatment, I was inpatient for four days at a time. But studies have shown that fasting the day of treatment actually improves the efficacy of the chemotherapy itself and mitigates the amount of side effects. So there's dual benefit to fasting. And what I did was I didn't fully fast, but I was cleansing for weeks on end. I even got a colonic. Um, so I cleansed out my colon and I was really feeding my liver, nourishing my liver that whole time, not even really knowing it so consciously, but I was also eating a much more varied diet of vegetables. I had a vegetarian diet previously, but it wasn't, I had my favorite go-to fruits and vegetables, blueberries, spinach. 
I don't, I don't remember at this point in time, like what else I gravitated toward, but yeah, I was like eating a lot of oatmeal and eggs and things like that. But now I was really focused on, okay, what are all the different vegetables I can pile into this one meal and in this one smoothie? And so I really was just increasing my nutrient intake dramatically. And so before I even got to treatment, I already felt better. I already looked better and side effect, my skin had improved dramatically. I had dinner with a couple of my girlfriends the night before I went to treatment and they were like, oh my God, your skin looks amazing. Yeah, no way you have cancer, right? I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I have to ask you this. I'm sorry. Um, and I'm yeah. interrupting, but I, I want, first of all, you're making me want to get up, walk to the kitchen and get my green juice out of the fridge. So, but that would be rude, so I'll wait till we're done. Um, but thanks for the motivation. You know, I, I was reading a thread, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago about somebody, essentially I'm paraphrasing, because I don't have it in front of me. I'm not gonna read it like I did yours. Um, and the guy's saying, I start chemo tomorrow, or the day after tomorrow, I'm really pissed. Um, I'm thinking uh, to, I'm gonna go out and get hammered tomorrow, you know, to have like a, you know, a big night out before I start, <laughs> right? You can imagine the, the responses to that. So I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. Live it up. And others are like, oh, you probably, I can imagine your response to that. Probably not the best idea. So yeah. I, here's why I say this. And here's why I'm interrupting you. You're obviously are incredibly disciplined and that's amazing. It's a great place to be in. And, and I can relate to that in a lot of aspects of my life. You, you know, either you kind of have it or you don't. It's, it can be honed over time, no doubt about it. But you have the baseline or, or you don't, I, I think. So many people out there, like I listened to what you were, I was taking notes, by the way, I'm not I'm totally into everything you're saying. So if I'm over here doing that, it's not like I have something better to do. I'm writing down notes to talk to you about. Um, so you, you talked about when you were diagnosed, you knew right away you weren't going to die. Um, you knew you'd be okay. And that, that's a great knowing to have. And you, you dove in and you applied your skills, your discipline. You grew over time, obviously, but you started with that baseline. People diagnose, people out there right now, and you see it, you're on the boards like I am. You know, they're largely doom and gloom. Um, oh my God, I have this. I feel so horrible. This happened today. Here's my nine. So I don't, not to, I'm not meaning to be flipping about any of this. I, everyone is very real and I feel for them all, but it's doom and gloom. And you see what they're doing to their minds. They, they don't have that natural belief that things are going to be okay. And most times they don't have a whole lot of discipline to get started and do the sorts of things that you did while you were in it. And that I do with my life now, I was the world's worst cancer patient a million years ago. Oh my God. I, I wish I knew you then I, I would have hired you with everything I had. Oh my God. Um, could have used you um, for sure. But you have people that are in that space, in that spot. And you'll come across it. I know you do. Mm -hmm. What are like a couple of really basic tools that anybody could do to get started heading back in the right direction? So for me, I'll, I'll give you a couple, uh, like three main things on hitting different layers. So one, lemon juice or lemon water, rather. Lemon water every morning just okay. to get you started in the habit of starting your day off with something that is cleansing for your system and nourishing for your body. 
It is actually extremely beneficial. I start my morning with this every morning, almost without fail, unless I run out of lemons, which I really try not to do. I really try to get ahead of the lemons. Yeah. Or if I'm traveling and I can't find one. That's literally the only times I don't have lemon. Okay. So um, I just wrote a whole thing about that in my Eat to Thrive ebook yesterday, actually. So lemon water and general hydration up increasing the hydration is going to be a massive game changer for a lot of people because most people are dehydrated and they don't even realize it so half your body weight in water in ounces minimum minimum should be more for people in a healing crisis in particular also more active people anyway so that's number one would just be a really simple thing lemon water Every morning. Yeah. So everybody can do that. Everybody, everybody can do that. Starting life yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. And number two, really simple, really free, really accessible to everyone. Breathe. Breathe. <laughs> breathe deeply. Nobody can tell me they can't breathe. <laughs> but everybody what I mean. <laughs> I have this. Um, I'm looking for my device. I have this thing. It's like a breathing assister, and it makes, uh -huh. but it makes, but it makes me do it, right? Yeah. It's called, the O2, it's called the O2 lung trainer, and you do as deep an in-breath as you can, rising up, and mm -hmm. then as deep an out-breath as you can, and you do basically 30 reps like you're in a gym. And, uh, oh, my God, the difference it makes every mm -hmm. single time. Yes. Exactly. You breathe properly the rest of the day. So mm -hmm. very practical. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So just to, just to dive in and piggyback on what you were saying, when I say breathe, I mean full, proper, deep breaths, because most of us are not using the full capacity of our lungs, which means our body is not getting as much oxygen as it could or should. And um, it keeps us in a state of anxiety, typically, when we're not breathing deeply. So if we force ourselves to focus on the breath, if we just say, okay, mindfully i'm going to take a deep breath all the way down into my belly inhale allow it to expand and then exhale release it we're immediately shifting our physiology within two or three breaths like that which is immediately decreasing our stress immediately decreasing our anxiety so that also is a massive game changer and people forget people don't even realize most of the time so lemon water and breathing would be my top two <laughs> Good. and then my third is related to mindset so gratitude i think i may have gotten into this in the other discussion as well but gratitude is also a massive game changer and again sometimes it is as baseline as being grateful you're not the person in the hospital bed next to you who's doing worse sometimes it's just being grateful for the fact that you woke up and are breathing right now which sounds a little dire but sometimes we're in that state we've all you know if we're listening to this most of the people here have been in a situation where it was really tough to open our eyes <laughs> much less get out of bed so sometimes just being grateful for the fact that you have a pillow that you are taking a breath, you know, just whatever it is. You can always find it. 
And I don't think your example is, is dire at all. And here, here's why. No matter what it is, like, oh, hey, I'm grateful for my convertible Rolls Royce and the two Playboy Playmates in my passenger seat. I mean, you know, that's a little extreme. But Or I'm grateful because I'm not the person in the bed next to me. All right. The reason I think any of it is good is you talked about changing physiology. If, you know, we can all sit here right now, you could do it. I know you wouldn't do it, but you can sit here and make yourself sad without any outside stimulus. You could also make yourself happy without any outside stimulus. So what does that tell you? We have the ability to, to do that with ourselves. And I think anytime you go to go to the happy place, you change your physiology. Absolutely. No matter what, you know, whether it's the Rolls Royce and the Playmates or the hospital bed, it doesn't really matter. And, uh, and, and I love the three things that you said, because, you know, you didn't say, you know, go out and buy this $9,000 program and devote 12 hours of your day to it. and You'll be fine. Because most people just aren't going to do that, right? Or can't do it. Um, lemon water. Right? I, buy, I drink lemon water with apple cider vinegar every morning. I still can't stand it, but I get the benefits of it, so I do it. Um, yeah. Lemon water. Breathe. Be grateful. Everybody out there could do that starting right now. And I yeah. sometimes just like to like just boil it down to that. Because, you know, God knows I was at a place where, like, sometimes you just can't self-start. And it has to be that simplified. So thank you for doing that. Totally. Yeah, my pleasure. And, and you're right. Like, there were moments where I, so I also dove in and started meditating. Uh, I'll just backtrack really quickly. I, uh, one of the things I did in the diagnostic process was my intuition told me I needed to start meditating. So I started researching because I had a hard time sitting for more than one minute. Honestly, with all the, I had three yoga teacher trainings under my belt, 600 hours of training. I'd spent a month in India. I'd done a few meditation courses there. I had a hard time getting myself to sit for one or two minutes on my own. So if you say you can't meditate, trust me, it's all in your head. Everyone can meditate. And we also need to let go of these thoughts of what meditation is because I think a lot of us build it up to something that it's really kind of impossible. Not but having meditation becomes stressful in those cases. Yeah. 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 Opposite, of, opposite of the idea. Yes. Meditation is not about not having thoughts, it's about paying attention and becoming aware of the thoughts and not attaching to them. So you're sitting in quiet and you're just observing. It's the act of observance, but observance from a place of detachment. And then you say, oh, yeah, that thought. And then you catch yourself and you say, oh, OK, see you later. And then another thought comes in and another thought comes in. But you just kind of like watch them go by and you just let them go. And then eventually you'll find that your mind does start to quiet. If you sit there long enough, five minutes, sometimes my mind is going, 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 10 minutes, still going. I hit a certain point and I'm like, mm. <laughs> I'm not actually. Oh, you're, you're in it, right? But I'm in it. Yeah. So 
I found a course that let me just lean back in my pillow. I would just kind of prop myself up ever so slightly when I woke up in the morning against the back of my bed. I wouldn't even like get up and sit properly. I would just pull the covers up <laughs> and I would be super comfortable. And I would meditate for 20 minutes every morning and 20 minutes every afternoon, which sounds like a lot to a lot of people. But if you just start your morning in bed, just set your alarm a tiny bit earlier, maybe if you need to set an alarm and just do that before you do anything else, slowly but surely you will start to see massive shifts and I was going through so much at the time, but meditation has been shown to decrease stress hormone levels dramatically and improve immunity. There's actual evidence that shows that meditation improves immunity. So I, I, my intuition was spot on. I started meditating regularly and I kind of I lost my train of thought. Why did I start talking about the meditation itself? Talking about things that um, that people can do right now to, to start putting their lives back on track and make an improvement. I believe that's the uh, the track we were on, but I don't look like I'm convincing you that was it. I feel like there was another motivation for me bringing that piece in. Um, but yeah, so I just started doing everything under the sun and they were they were simple. That's the other thing about meditation is you can do it without, um, you know, you don't have to pay any money. I did a course myself to get me to do it, but technically you don't have to pay any money to be able to meditate. Um, you don't need to buy calm. You don't need to buy Gaia. You could just get up in bed in the morning, practice yeah. and get, sometimes again, we need anybody can do it. Yeah. Sometimes we need a little prompter to get us there, but, oh, and I, I don't think this is what I was uh, aiming to say just now, but another thought that came to mind earlier that I wanted to bring it up, bring up is that what kept me going is I also had a really strong why and a really strong vision of me being healthy, a really strong motivation of me needing to be healthy after treatment ended. I was visualizing myself after meditation every single time I would be focusing on myself. And I, this just happened naturally. I didn't even realize the power of it at the time, but I would say my little gratitude prayer at the end of my meditation. And I would kind of sit there and just like imagine myself. And just like randomly throughout the day, I would just be excited about going to my sister's wedding because I was the maid of honor. So I had to survive for the family. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. <laughs> I had to. That's what was motivating me. I think I kind of missed that piece earlier. That was a massive driver for me is being able to be healthy for my sister's wedding, which was scheduled for five weeks after my treatment was scheduled to end. So I had no choice but to make sure treatment worked and that I was good for the wedding. You were there. You were vibrant. Nobody would have any idea you just had treatment. Dancing, having the time in my life, and not having this shadow over the wedding. That was yeah. not okay with me. Even if I survived, I didn't want to be like hobbling around feeble in the corner. I didn't want people to be pitying me. I didn't want to distract from my sister's big day, which she deserved. And... I 
also just wanted to have fun and dance and all that, you know, <laughs> celebrate <laughs> life. <laughs> what better way to celebrate life, right? So, and I had my birthday after treatment, like two and a half weeks. I, I was a little crazy and I scheduled a yoga retreat out of the country two and a half weeks after treatment ended. Also gave myself another thing to look forward to. The flights were like dirt cheap. I used miles for them. And I, the, the retreat was, it just like, I manifested the money to perfectly cover the retreat during treatment. Cause like money was tight, but I manifested like almost the exact amount for that. So I, it, I gave myself another thing to look forward to. So I gave myself things to look forward to after treatment ended. And I just kept putting myself there. I put my energy there continually. And so it was training my body to be healthy. It was training my mind to be healthy. It was training my mind to say, oh, yeah, I am a healthy, healed person. So um, your dog is really cute, by the way. Yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> for the distraction. We get um, we get a bonus one pit bull interruption per podcast. That's Aww. the quota. Yeah, I have more <laughs> of these guys running around here, believe me. Oh, how cute. Wilson, say hi to Amanda Wilson. Hey, All right. Wilson. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. Go on, <laughs> totally fine. I get distracted by dogs very easily. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you're like, you're, you're so present and so spot on with everything. Uh, again, I, I, I wish you existed back when I had it. Of course, if you did, you'd be 190 years old now. So that wouldn't have worked, but <laughs> that, that, that's all right. Um, yeah. So uh, Amanda, this is five years ago today, you were diagnosed. All right, so I'm going to ask one of my infamous, you're going to do a infamously long setup to my question. I have a tendency to do this. Um, we know the cliche, things happen for a reason, right? Uh, like Wilson, I look at Wilson now, or my other three that are around the property or wherever they are. I think they're out sunbathing getting your vitamin D, actually. Um, 12 years, 11 years ago, I boarded my dogs for a weekend as I was moving, and the boarding facility let them escape. And one of my dogs was run over and crushed by a car. And I saw his body pulled out of a bag in front of me. And the other was missing for half a year. He came back half a year later and I spent 11 years with him. He passed one year ago this month, actually. So I got 11 great years with him. Now that got me ultimately, at first it got me a freak out period of time for sure. Uh, then it got me ultimately into pit bull rescue and becoming probably one of the leading advocates for it in the US and contributors to the cause. And now I live in my house on Maui with four beautiful pit bulls. None of this would have happened if my dogs did not get out and the tragedy that ensued took place. So that's the setup. That's the setup for the long for the for the, the long setup for the short question. Mm -hmm. All right. You're diagnosed five years ago today. Are you happy now that you were diagnosed with cancer five years ago did it happen for a reason <laughs> Ooh, to say that i'm happy i was diagnosed well yeah, I no, forget, no forget the reason are you happy you were diagnosed with cancer five years ago it's a weird question i know well gosh ha happy is never a word that i attach to it but i have certainly never regretted it and i 
I appreciate the journey that I've been on very much. And I know it happened for a reason to get back to that. So would I change it? No, because I, I know that I wouldn't have gone on the journey that I was meant to go on to be where I am now, because I have had, I have gone through the ringer in a lot of different ways. I have experienced a lot of different levels of trauma, a lot of different levels of healing, but in ways that were never total setbacks, never total devastations. So it's interesting because I've actually been reflecting on this a lot lately, especially the last six to eight months or so. And because I've been diving deeper into spirituality and all of that, all of those layers of things, the energy behind things as well, um, how everything connects and relates. So I've thought about this loads and I have such an interesting perspective because I have experienced so many different things, but I've been able to kind of bounce back quickly and learn the lesson that I needed to learn to have this insight that I do now. And now I just feel like I have such, such a rich perspective on life and everything. And I'm not super young at this point, even though I look young. I mean, we already established I'm 35. Um, But I've had a lot of life experience for somebody my age. I'm also a very old soul. (laughs) So I'm kind of activating. This is why my intuition is really strong. So I've really been able to pull all the pieces together. And I very much believe that it's all happened 100% for a reason so that I can shed light onto our true nature and our true purpose and how we're truly meant to live here on this earth. So yeah, I very much believe and how we're meant to heal truly and how we're meant to integrate it all and how we're meant to dive deep and how we're not disconnected and all of these layers which we could dive into for hours but (laughs) i will leave it there for now and um yeah that's a great it's a great place to leave it and we're coming right up on an hour wow i could talk to you all day long for sure (laughs) ask you a billion questions i want to get close to letting you go though uh first i just want to it's not a question it's a statement um you're an incredible model for people that are experiencing what you and I experienced cancer. And I, I would dare say for anybody experiencing any sort of challenge, I mean, you just provide a, a great recipe for living a, a solid and a healthy life. And, and I appreciate that. And I want to encourage anybody and everybody out there to, to check out what you do and you know, look at this art called life, art, this art called life.com. And uh, I know that after today, um, I, I found some more motivation through you. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. I think what you should do, Amanda, is if you ever visit Maui, I'm gonna have I'm gonna fix you up with all the um homeless life coaches on Maui so you can help <laughs> a little bit too. Because we have a lot of those here. Can you imagine homeless life coaches, right? Isn't that great? Um I know I'm gonna hire them right away, but I, I would I would hire you in a second for sure. Um so thank you. Thank, 
Thank you for being you. Um, so to, to end, this whole discussion has been really light. Nothing about it has been dark at all. It's been, been refreshing. But to end on a really light note, what's life like in Tulum, Mexico? Make us, make us all jealous for a minute. <laughs> well, yes, the beach here is absolutely beautiful. But I was attracted here because there's a special energy. I mean, we have the jungle right next to the beach. We have the the history of the Mayan culture. There's Tulum's right, uh, the Tulum ruins right on the beach here as well. But there's all the cenotes, which are particularly magical. They're really unique cave formations, unique to this region, this Yucatan Peninsula. And there's a lot of energy here because of the water. The whole land is over water and water carries energy and frequency. So it really is a bit of a vortex here. <laughs> um, so it's a really wonderful community as well. It's attracted many spiritual types and people who are doing healing. So there's breath work, there's meditation, there's all sorts of things happening regularly. So, and really, really unique offerings that I, I wouldn't even be able to speak to accurately, so I won't even try, but it's been a really amazing um, place for me to continue to dive deep myself and really grow. So yeah, it's I'm really, really glad and I feel super fortunate that I was in a spot in my life. I mean, I was living in Miami. It wasn't very far. So it wasn't particularly difficult for me to pick up and come here necessarily. Lease was ending, put my stuff in storage. <laughs> so yeah. yeah that's just, a choice. You made a great choice. You didn't, yeah. you, just another another uh, way of, that you illustrate that it's you have the power to make choices in your life. You really do. Yeah. Well, I enjoy getting to watch you enjoy your life. It's really cool. It's fun. It's fun to do that. And uh, I just uh, I want to thank you for for being you and being of service and doing for people what you do every day. And uh, I know I don't have to say keep it up because I know you will. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for this opportunity to chat. I, it's been really wonderful. And and yeah, I really like your energy as well. So it's been super fun. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. It's great seeing you as always. And uh, I will uh, just say I look forward to the next connection. Awesome. All right. Take care. All right, my friend. Um, uh, adios. Adios. <laughs> Hasta luego. <laughs> See you soon. Bye-bye. So, everybody, it's Rick Bassman live here on Maui with Wilson and signing off after having talked to the amazing Amanda Kelly again. Look at what she does at www.thisartcalledlife.com. Uh, quick plug for myself or else my people are going to be mad at me. Um, our, uh, our various uh, channels and platforms are streaming beneath you right now. Please subscribe at uh, youtube.com forward slash Rick Bassman. That is obviously our, our YouTube channel. And on Instagram is Rick underscore Bassman. Lastly, our... Uh, our We Win group on Facebook, uh, been up for about two months now. We just cracked uh, a thousand people that are active on the page at this point. It's a really, really cool community for anybody that's uh, facing challenges. Please join us, follow and join Amanda Kelly and her great work. And we'll look forward to uh, seeing you next time. Thanks so much for being with us today.
Signing off live from Maui. Take care. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.